Hey, it's Matt Bovey from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Osiris Torrance, second-round pick from the University of Florida, has also, Matt, had a little bit of run with the first unit on offense, but it's been mostly in red zone situations. And let's remember, we're not hitting yet. So it might be a situation where they just want to see how he gets acclimated and understands the playbook from that. We don't know yet. So as Mitch Moore said, please don't read anything into who's getting it. Mitch was very big about don't read anything into who's playing where. But Osiris Torrance at least getting a little bit of a look early with the ones. You know what else was interesting to me? When we heard from Mitch Morris, he talked a lot about Connor McGovern and how he fits into this offense, and he said that he's going to need to reshape his game into the style of play the Bills have compared to what the Cowboys have always done well. And I think that was an interesting way of putting it because I think when you look at it from the outside looking in, you're like, okay, he's a guard. He can just slide into guard here, and it'll be a pretty seamless transition. I think what the Bills do is obviously different than how the Cowboys approach it. But I also think maybe McGovern fits in better with what the Bills are trying to do, and he could be a solid fit. So going back to him, I think you can basically just write him in Sharpie that he is going to be starting at guard as long as he's healthy. I think maybe Osiris Torrance gets on the field. Maybe there's some sort of rotation with Ryan Bates, but that usually doesn't happen on the offensive line. You want your guys to be practicing and playing together as much as possible. Did Dawson Knox come down with that? He did. Wow, that was a really nice play. Another play where Josh Allen rolled out to his side and found. You know why he had to roll out? Did you see that? Who broke the middle? Greg Rousseau was in on a, in a hurry. Yeah. So I mean, that was a really nice play. I saw that. You know, he obviously had to scatter, but. I will say, I said at the beginning of the podcast, you don't want to read too much into like, oh, the offense doesn't look good, or oh, the offense looks good, the defense looks good, any of that stuff. From everything we have seen on day two, a much more efficient day compared to what it was for day one, at least as far as the offense is concerned. Yeah, and I agree with you about McGovern and Bates. You know, I've said from the beginning, I think it's a challenge for Osiris Torrance to win a starting job in the interior on this team. Um, I don't see it happening. Maybe he eventually wins a starting job, but they're paying Connor McGovern a lot of money. They have Ryan Bates, who they really believe in, who can do a lot for them. Now, he's also really versatile, and a great interception come up here by Jordan Poyer. Really nice interception. Had to undercut a route thrown over to Dalton Kincaid. And listen. I love it. This is what you get. I, I jinxed him. I just said the offense looked better today. And then Jordan Poyer makes an unbelievable interception. That was a little bit reminiscent of the Micah Hyde interception in the Patriots wildcard game where he slid and caught it. That's kind of what Poyer did. It was not a deep shot, but still just a really, really impressive catch there. All right, so you pick Can for I me. One other thing, too. Yeah. Going back to the whole interception thing, this is the time for a quarterback to see what they can and can't get away with. So you're going to see at this training camp and training camps all around the league, 
oh, this guy threw an interception. Oh, this guy had two interceptions on the day. I don't really think that translates into anything. I think this is the setting for Josh Allen to go, okay, I can get away with that throw. I cannot get away with that throw. I don't think this is a sign of bad decision-making. I don't think this is a sign that the offense isn't in sync. I think this is a sign that, like, okay, I'm going to try everything out here, and then I'm going to implement what works into our game plan, and what doesn't work we're going to leave on the cutting room floor. So that's how I feel about that. You know, First of all, you pick. Which is the play of the day I have to write about? I have to pick a play of the day every day at WGR550.com. We've seen the Dalton Kincaid catch, the Dawson Knox catch, the Jordan Poyer interception. What would you choose? Well, do you want to make people happy or a little bit annoyed? Because I think the Jordan Jordan Poyer play was probably more impressive, but I think people will be more excited about the Dalton Kincaid play. It's probably right. It's a good way to look at it. We like to keep people excited around here. All right, let's go back to the defense real quick. I just mentioned uh, Greg Rousseau. He got in on Josh Allen in a hurry. Without giving details of how they did it, we can tell you that yesterday there were some really interesting combinations they were using. In one particular set, you had on the field at the same time Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, and Leonard Floyd. Boy, Matt, that really gives you a lot of length and a lot of options to be able to do things. It does, and it gives them a look that they have not had, at least in the last several years. It gives them a lot of viable options, and it still has me wondering, Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau removed. It has me wondering, after hearing from Von Miller, when does he get back? Because I posted a video on whatever the website is called. I don't know if it's Twitter. I don't know if it's X, whatever it is. And I said, I am not a doctor, but Von Miller looks to be doing more than I thought he would be doing. He quoted the tweet with the little emoji of the shushing person. I saw him quote tweet you. Which is weird, because by shushing, you're actually bringing it to more people that what you're doing the way they've talked, it may, they're making it very clear they do not want to rush him. But they also said that you know they are taking it day to day and that there are things that he is capable of doing. They just want to see him do everything. I don't think he's going to be ready. This is just my hunch. I don't think he's going to be ready for the start, but I also don't think he's going to miss six games. That's just my read on it. Well, Pup would only be four now. They changed the – they, so let me ask you this. Do you think he starts – the season on Pup to save the roster spot. No, I don't think he does because I think there is potential that he gets back faster than that. And the reason I said six weeks was because back at OTAs or whatever it was, he said that was kind of the tail end of the timeline that he was working on. Maybe they're ultra conservative. And if that's what they decide to do, there is nothing wrong with that. I really do subscribe that you need him more in December and January than you do in September and early October. But just from what we've seen of him, And just the way he's walking around and talking to people and talking to us as reporters, I get the sense that he might be back sooner than we thought. We didn't touch on the running back position. I think that's more for next week when the pads come on. We'll see a little bit more about that. But I do want to say, before day two, we talked to Ken Dorsey. And when talking about the running backs, he said that the other guys complement James Cook well. Now, he corrected himself a couple seconds later and said, you know, they all complement each other. But to me, that's something to read into a little bit. I agree. That makes me think, okay, they are operating. Maybe they're not. But right now, James Cook appears to be the guy. And I didn't know if that was going to be the case. I thought Damian Harris could be the starting running back on this team. I think right now, probably looks like it's going to be James Cook. I've always believed it's James Cook. I've always believed he would take over the Devin Singletary role while Damian Harris kind of takes over the James Cook role with a little bit more added on this year. All right, before we head on out of here, we're going to have Ben Volin on from the Boston Globe coming up in a little while. A couple things. Number one, we're going to be at Bar Bill Monday night, July 31st. Come out and see us. We're going to be doing a 
Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. We'll do audio. We'll do video. You never know who's going to stop by. But I do know one thing that's stopping by, and that is some good wings. Absolutely. And that's a little bit of a tease because we think we know who's stopping by, but we can't exactly confirm that yet. So when we say that, it's intentional. We are hoping that we have a guest or two that are joining us, and uh, hopefully that works out. I'm very excited. I know there's been a lot of really positive feedback. A, pun- a bunch of people have said that they are trying to come. Hopefully we can fill the place out. Hopefully we can all have some great Cajun honey butter barbecue wings. And then after we tape the podcast, we can all just kind of hang out with each other and have a good night. 1129 Empire Boulevard, just a less than a 10-minute drive from St. John Fisher University where we are standing here on the football field watching practice and where we see Damar Hamlin. Matt, it's unbelievable to see this guy out here playing football after what happened, of course, in Cincinnati on January 2nd. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable. I actually just found myself in the tunnel next to him as he walked down onto the field. It was not intentional. I just happened to be walking out, and I looked over to my left, and Damar Hamlin was there. I snapped a quick picture, but it kind of sends a chill down your spine of like, wow, this guy is back. This guy is running out onto the field in front of all these fans. And, you know, you have all of these people here. He gets a very big ovation, rightfully so, given everything that he went through. To see him back out on the field, it's pretty, pretty special. And then finally, give me, you know, a minute or two on what you heard from Stefan Diggs in his, the first time he spoke yeah. to the media. We heard from him after day one. I mean, 20 minutes of honesty, I felt, transparency, and really interesting stuff. That was a master class from Stefan Diggs. That was handled, nothing's perfect. That was pretty dang close to perfect, the way he came out, what he said, how he said it, how forthcoming he was. I thought we were going to hear from Stefan Diggs early. I thought it made sense from a PR standpoint to put him out there on a day where there was a lot of stuff going on because that takes a little bit of the attention away. That was undoubtedly the biggest storyline of the first day of camp, and I thought he handled it perfect, and I thought he did a good job kind of putting to bed all of the rumors, all of the drama, and coincidentally, as we're having this conversation, he just hooked up with Josh Allen for a really, really nice play that, you know. Took it we, to the house. Took it to the house. I don't know if he would have taken it to the house. Okay. If they were actually tackling. Exactly. But still, a nice play. And Stefan Diggs, right out of the bat yesterday, was their most effective player offensively. And guess what? He's going to continue to be that because he is that guy. He is so good. We want to thank you for listening, downloaded, subscribing. We are on audio only for this particular podcast, but almost always on video. You can find that at Sal Sports is the YouTube channel. But audio, iTunes, Spotify, and also while we head on out of here, remember, we have Ben Volin coming up. So we're going to say thank you for listening. But in the meantime, one more segment, Ben Volin, Boston Globe. He joins us right now on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.